We're here to ignite your fire by highlighting the success and innovation of other movement professionals. This is the PT on Fire podcast. All right, welcome PT on Fire Nation. Uh, I'm Nick Hawkins here. Sitting alongside me is Andrew Grecki, and we are super excited today to have a fun conversation with Dr. Nick Studholm. Uh, Nick is a uh, has his doctorate in chiropractic medicine, and he's out in Colorado, I believe. Right, Nick? Yep, Denver. Denver. All right. So we share that we have the white stuff floating around now. Uh, so Nick, Nick's coming with us today. He has a lot of good things to talk about. We are very excited to hone in on a couple different things that Nick has been able to do. He's a co-founder of, of the Spark Motion app, um, which is the leader in, in, in this kind of ability for PT clinics and movement professionals and even on the Olympic and professional level to capture uh, movement on on a motion capture system that Nick will talk a lot more about it. And personally, we use it here at Superior Physical Therapy and patients love it. We love it. It's a great way to give home exercise. We'll get into that. The second thing we're going to be getting into is is something called FNOR, Functional Neuroorthopedic Rehabilitation. And it's something that's relatively uh, new on, on our end, and so we're really excited to hear more about it from Nick. And again, Nick, uh, we are honored to have you on. Thanks a lot. Hey, I appreciate you guys doing it. I know it's, it always takes time out of practice to uh, commit to some other passions we have, and so I just, just feel really lucky to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. So Nick, give us a little background about um, how did you get into the movement industry? Where did you get your passion? Uh, share with us kind of the background. Yeah, that's, you know, to, it's sort of a long thing. I've been in practice almost 20 years, which is shocking and uh, pretty much a junkie for for information. And as you probably know, going through school, there were some people who were always at a weekend course and some people who just did, did the schoolwork. And I, I was one of those guys chasing courses. And it ultimately got me into, uh, you know, day-to-day practice. And I, I live in Colorado and I I was fortunate enough to um, have a couple really high-level triathletes stumble into my office and realized um, that I needed to understand a few more things. And um, so I ended up uh, taking a, a Gary Gray movement course in, uh, I guess it was in Colorado Springs. It might have been 2005 or six. And he sort of asked, you know, does anybody know what the glute max does? And I thought, ooh, I do. I muscle test it every day. It does hip extension. And he said, well, it actually depends on its relationship to gravity. And it just sort of tweaked my world as we've all been through that. And uh, that started my journey into, uh, I went through the first gift program, uh, which was was amazing. And I met at the time, I know this is sort of a long-winded answer to your question, but I met at the time uh, Dave Gottfeld and Packy Kenley, who were also going through the course. And we connected, and, and at the time, iPads were brand new, and we thought, gosh, wouldn't it be neat if we could we could real-time edit video in an iPad, and so we created Spark Motion, and, uh, you know, the journey's just grown from there. That's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for going, kind of that answer for us, and uh, what... What I want to ha- what I want to do here is kind of dive a little bit deeper into the Spark Pro, the Motion app, and and I just think it's something that's so special. And and usually when patients come in first first two visits they're here, we always ask them, would you like to have this exercise sent to you by video? And they kind of look at us and say, wait, really? Like that's an option? And people are used to getting these kind of pre 
you know, crappy pictures and, and for home exercises where it's hard to follow. And we're like, yeah, well, all we have to do is grab the iPad, plug you into the system and, and take the video real quick and we're good to go. And people are like, you know, they come back, it's awesome feedback. Uh, people are, I think they're more compliant when they can follow along. They have this feeling that it's personalized because they see themselves on the on the video. And I, and, uh, I just, I want to say from our end, we appreciate what you guys did because it helps us out a lot on the day to day end of things. Well, I tell you, you know, it's, I think it's great to hear that we've, it's been a frustrating, um, uh, challenge. I joke, it's the most expensive app I've ever purchased. Um, because we've, we've dumped a lot of, of capital into it in an attempt to make it work. It, we've, we've, it's, it's, it, the biggest frustration really for us, and, and, and you hit it on the head, is, you know, you can individualize ex exercises, but if you're not, um, the creative might be the issue. Uh, if you're not sure what you want to give someone, it's hard to, to create that exercise routine. And that's where I think, obviously, Gary Gray and the Grand Suit have been helpful for all of us. Um, but, you know, the, the neat part about the app, and I guess one of the differentiators, if I, if I do a slight sales pitch on, it's HIPAA compliant. And... One of the challenges when you're just using your your cell phone or coach's eye or some of these other really nice products is is that data is not HIPAA protected and and the app was really designed for the clinician and we we unfortunately run into two two problems one is uh, chiropractors and I'm one and you know I think but the majority don't do enough I think off the table assessing and so they don't do as much video and physical therapists many times are employees not business owners and they don't see a value add. Um, so if they're not getting reimbursed for it, they don't. So it's a hard sell sometimes. And we've, we've, we're surprised at the difficulty of adoption relative to, as you've mentioned, the value it, 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 you get from a patient feedback. So anyway, some, some frustrating but exciting things. So it's, we love the product. I, you know, like you said, a lot of people use it. Uh, if you use the cloud feature, you know, you can, I use it with, I have two interns that from the University of Denver that do strength work in my office. And we just bounce videos to each other all the time through the cloud and, you know, works seamlessly. And so anyway, it's, it's been a neat product, but a little frustrating because we, we just thought rate of adoption would be a little higher than it's been. Sure. I think, you know, with a lot of the things that we design and the ideas of the, of, of people that are on the show, you know, that's where marketing I think is, is a, is a, you know, is such a crucial element to everything that we have um, most of the guests that we have on that talk about their ideas, that's a frustration they have is that, you know, I'm, I'm the master technician. I, I was able to create the idea, the app. I know how to use it. I know exactly what I want, but now what do I do with it? You know, Absolutely. How, do, how do I get, it does seem like, you know, I mean, looking at your site, you have, you've got a lot of, uh, kind of the celebrity aspect. There's a lot of people that are using it in some pretty high level places. Absolutely. You know, the issue is really just that day-to-day -day clinician, and I think a lot of that boils down to I, I don't know that everyone always knows what they're looking for with movement. Right. And, um, and that speaks to what the research says, which is, you know, there isn't a perfect assessment or, or we may or may not know. And, and so I think that leads to a lot of um, uh, confusion sometimes. Um, but to your point, you know, the frustration is, you know, you could get all 32 NFL teams, I think 32. Yep. Um, but that's still only 32 users, right? So right. you may have the most powerful users, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's how do you get how do you get that guy in his office who's looking to offer a value add and, and, and convince them to uh, to do some video? Again, some of the issues I don't know that anyone knows what to look at when they're looking at video. That's a learning curve, and and, um, and I think Gary Gray 
has been helpful for those of us that have been through GIFT with with understanding and thinking about movement analysis. Uh, but, definitely, but definitely. The, so, but but to your point, marketing is an issue, and I hate to cry this, but uh, you know the issue is is with anything is uh, that marketing is a huge budget, and it becomes challenging to uh, market indefinitely um, a, a couple dollar a month app, right? You know, so it's uh, it's always a, a fine line, and it's been a real interesting uh, side journey, you know, outside of practice, but but neat because it puts you in front of a lot of top level people and you get to learn some really cool stuff from that exposure. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, you think about from a clinician standpoint, the opposite end of the spectrum is like, I think of the VHI, right? Like where you've got this huge catalog of basically stick figures and it's categorized by problems. So it's like low back pain. Yeah, right. Right. Here's, here's <laughs> right. your six exercises for low back pain. And on the top three, it's for, you know, directional preference for, you know, disc herniations, you know, extension McKenzie exercises. And then on the bottom three, it's like, here's some directional preference for, you know, stenosis and there's some Williams flexion exercises. Right. You know, and that's like, that's what the norm is right now. I mean, that's even what the doctors are starting to adopt, at least in my town, where they're just giving patients a sheet of exercises and they have no clue, you know, why... And who this would be good for, you know? Well, and and the crazy part about it, and the neat part is, is you know, using Spark Motion because you can do some voicing over it and, and create a, a a screen recorded video that's unique to the patient. Is if you have a person doing a squat and you need to modify that squat in some way, difficult to do that with a pre-printed out exercise right. or one that's generic online. But very easy when you're filming that individual to externally rotate the foot a little bit elevate the heel. I mean, whatever it is you need to do to make them successful. Right. And, uh, and, and that's the neat part about it. Um, because then it becomes patient driven. And, and I would think from a practice and I'm no guru in practice management, but I'm fortunate to have a pretty, pretty, um, uh, uh, full practice is, uh, the value add is enormous. I think patients feel like it separates you from, from what they're getting traditionally. Absolutely. Well, I think there's value too in the patient themselves uh, seeing what you're looking at. Like if you have a, a runner, for example, I know my experience with runners is they, they want to know. They want to know exactly what you're looking at and, and why you're looking at it and what they look like. And so I think there's value in you know getting somebody on the treadmill and taking a video of a couple different angles and then uh, you know being able to sit down and go through that with them with this app. And like you said, it's HIPAA compliant. So then you can send it to them via email or, or whatever so they can take it home and, and kind of digest yeah. what you're talking Absolutely. about with them. And, you know, and, and, and I think you nailed it on the head. Um, I, the, one of the um, reasons we developed it was actually speed of feedback. So the idea that you could real time show somebody something, slow it down, and then immediately intervene. And um, so that speed of feedback you talk about is, is remarkable. As just an aside, one of the things that we've, we've realized – um, when we access the camera through the app, currently it doesn't allow us to access the different features of slow motion, et cetera. But when you are doing a runner in the, the higher level iPads now with the frame rate uh, being much greater, you can do a slow motion capture using the video on the iPad and then import that in. And, and it's brilliant. The, 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 the frames are so clear and it's a really nice way to avoid some of the blurring that occurs at a higher speed movement. That's cool. That's cool. That's awesome. And I, w I would imagine with some of the higher level athletes that are using your app, like on the, the professional Olympic level, 
they, you really need to get down to that nitty gritty kind of, you know, almost like a frame by frame because their bodies are so good at compensating. Like I, I would say, you know, you're, you probably experience the same thing, but the more athletic, the more um, higher level somebody is, their bodies are just so amazing at compensating. It gets harder and harder to spot those compensations. Absolutely. And I, you know, I joke whether this is true or not, I've always believed that you know, the great athletes that do well until they finally break down and then can't recover it, you know, maybe Tiger Woods, maybe not, but you, you just sort of think they're such masterful um, compensators that until they run out of places to compensate, they're fine. And then at some point they've sort of compensated through every tissue and now start to break down a little bit. But um, anyway, just a thought. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us what else is on your mind. What else you got going on? I mean, that's kind of like old news for you. Spark motion is something, yeah, you, well, you know, you've been doing that for quite a while. And what's new? Well, and, yeah, and that's that's interesting. You know, it's, it's funny because I can't imagine practicing without it. In fact, every new patient I do my full video analysis with and, and as you mentioned, homework. But um, what's, what's, been, what's been interesting for me is, as I mentioned, a bit of a, a junkie for information and chasing things. And I know on the previous podcast with Adam Wolf, I mentioned – I always encourage people to go take a course or two that sort of goes against what they believe to be true, uh, because I think it, it, it opens up your mind a bit. Uh, but recently, I um, have, have been working on something as you mentioned the uh, the FNOR, the functional neuro orthopedic rehab, and uh, and that's really been fascinating for me from a rehab perspective because it it I think it's it's sort of a highly practical rehab system that that deals with some of the complex challenges that I think uh, or set of problems that uh, clinicians have in practice. And, um, and, and uh, when we're dealing with chronic pain, it, it, it helps, I think, in, incorporate some of the neuro aspect to the, the pain and rehab that I think is, is currently being overlooked. And so I think I've been dabbling very heavily in that side of things recently, and it's, it's been uh, an enjoyable thing for sure. Well, I think there's a lot of value to that, too. I know there's a lot of research that has been coming out with, you know, back people who have had chronic back pain, and they look at kind of the traditional uh, kind of ways that people have gone about addressing these issues. And, and, and things like things like yoga and movement and, um, you know, addressing the behavioral side has almost been just as effective as surgery and, and uh, physical therapy and chiropractic. And I think that just speaks to, like what you just said, there's more to it than just the physical. And I think that addressing things like the pain science and the, and the neuro side of things totally makes sense. And, and you know, and, I, and absolutely. And I think it even goes into, into how, how we apply our, our rehab. Um, and and, I, and there's, there's quite a bit of research out there, but there was recently one published in JOSPT on the shoulder. They were looking at EMG of shoulder function pre, uh, uh, I think, rotator cuff rehab. And uh, they also looked at EMG of shoulder function doing a movement task to look at motor recruitment of muscles. And then they do the rehab, and, and, and everyone in the study statistically gets stronger. But when they recheck the EMG in the task, they find that the recruitment patterns didn't change at all. And so I think what we're learning is you can, you can get a muscle stronger, but it doesn't necessarily affect how, how you utilize that muscle or how you recruit it. And, and that becomes problematic in rehab. And I think that's why we see a lot of these people in chronic pain. You know, they can be doing glute bridging for two years and they come in and say, I would do this every day. And, uh, and that doesn't seem to change things. So I'm not implying that we have, have the answer, but 
I think we have some thoughts about how, how you might modify your approaches to, to affect the motor cortex um, a little differently and, and maybe change that, that recruitment pattern. So talk about this kind of the structure and the, the target audience for this course and when it's going to be and how, how you, what's the format? Is it online? Yes. Is it in person? Is it a combination? Yeah, it's sort of, it was born out of uh, initially some, some failed back syndrome and, and, and recognizing, you know, that the medical community really drops there. So the structure is sort of broken into currently um, six courses uh, that are each uh, about three days. Uh, so it's sort of the, it takes about, it's a year and a half, it's about a 150 hour program currently. And each course, the first three courses are broken into sort of upper um, spine and, and lower extremity with the fourth being rehab and fifth pain, chronic pain, and then sort of an integration in the sixth. And, um, and they're, they sort of are breaking down the, the, the rehab approaches to, to those areas. And some of the movement patterns, uh, gait analysis is a, is a fundamental tenet of the approach. And, uh, from that perspective, we integrate in some of the pain approaches and rehab. And, you know, I, I hate to dance around it because you, you don't want to give away too much of what the how is. Uh, but, but the why is really driven uh, on the fact that I think sometimes we get way too complicated in our rehab and we can, we can simplify the system and still be highly effective. And so currently we're, we're looking to host uh, the first course in Denver in, in, in late April, the 28th through the, the 30th. Um, and so that should be online shortly at fnor.net and, um, we're, and it's open to uh, physical therapists, athletic trainers, um, and chiropractors, MDs, you know, people who, who actually work and treat patients in, in chronic pain. Excellent. So you're going to have, you're going to have six, basically three day live in person sessions. Correct. Um, Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Live. Yes. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who are the, are you going to be the instructor? Or are there multiple presenters? Or? Good, good question. So, so the course was originally created uh, in collaboration with uh, a, a, a Dr. David George, who's a, a physical therapist and a nurse and uh, taught many years with the Carrick Institute, uh, which is a functional neuro group in chiropractic. And uh, 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 Dr. Physical Therapy, Stu Fife, who's in Savannah, who's been in practice for gosh, probably 30 years. And it was a collaboration on, on, on an orthopedic rehab model approach to rehab, but also integrating in the functional neuro side of things. Excellent. So, and so, so as far as the teaching goes, David and Stu, uh, are the head instructors, myself and another, uh, chiropractor named Brett Jaros, then, then co-teach depending on location. There's currently one in Australia, uh, that's in the third module. Okay. Excellent. How big of a class are you expecting? We they the 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 ones the last two in Amsterdam and Australia did did sell out and uh, we're we're planning to limit the class to about fifty attendees uh, okay. and, and expect it to to sell out again. So uh, that way, you know, it it it's um, intimate enough that you can still get around and, and make sure that everyone is getting the the level of instruction and the practical side of things that, that they need to be getting. Excellent. You know, I think this is why we love having people on like yourself to talk to because it's, you know, a great example of people who have, you know, challenged the status quo and said, hey, you know, traditionally uh, as, a, as a medical kind of systems model, we've, we've kind of dropped the ball in a way as far as, you know, all the failed surgeries and medications and the, all the, the opiate, opioid pain medication kind of epidemic and the failed 
just tradition as far as what's happened from from up to this point. And uh, so it's it's cool to hear that you guys are kind of challenging the status quo and taking a step back and finding ways to kind of take a different approach. And it kind of sounds like what you know we've heard uh, through the Gray Institute a lot as far as you guys kind of went complex, like super complex, way complex, and then kind of made it simple at the same time. So went complex and then gave what you've developed, it sounds like, as a, as a way to kind of, not, I don't want to say simple, but a way to, you could say simple, I guess. Simple, yeah. simple complexity. Sim, simplexity. Simple, simple complexity. complexity. Absolutely. You know, I think, uh, at least from my perspective with the rehab, so I have two, they're in fellowships at the University of Denver. So I work very closely with the sports program at, at, at DU, and, and it's been a, a fun relationship. And they've integrated a lot of these principles into their sort of from table space to performance in that sort of funny place where people seem to get lost. But, you, you know, you find high-level athletes have a lot of chronic pain. And, um, you know, there's this perception that, and I'm sort of being ridiculous, but that if you're a, a horseback rider, you need to be bouncing up on a gym ball to make it look like horseback riding or something. And sometimes I think we go way past somebody's threshold, even though they can demonstrate the ability to do something, it still may be past their threshold. And, and I think what you find is with some of these um, uh, simple but appropriately applied uh, approaches, you can get really good results, and it doesn't have to be as complex as we sometimes think or, or as specific. And, and I think one of the differentiators that really came to mind for me, um, and again, I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, is that um, I think I always felt like, and, and, and I would say that the Gray Institute was somewhat guilty of, of ma making me think this way, not, not that I'm pointing the finger at them, but that, that I just took it to be is that my rehab always had to look exactly like the task. And I think separating out rehab and, and task specificity are two things. And I think the end goal is task specificity. But in the short run, you know, if I've got to get someone on the table to get their motor function improved for their glute max, then that's where they need to be. And, um, and, I, and, and although I know that's not what the glute max does, I'm not sold that increasing eversion and hip internal rotation and having them lunge changes actually the motor cortex or recruitment of the glute max. I absolutely agree that it may improve movement, it may feel better, and they may get a stronger glute max. But the research doesn't play out that it chooses how we recruit it. So I think what's been interesting is to step back and, and do some things where we try to affect the nervous system, if you will, um, at the brain level, which again, yes, you do with lunges, et cetera. And then, and then move towards the lunging and the footy version. So it's been an interesting addition, and I think sort of a phase prior to a lot of the AFS stuff for me. So I still do a ton of the AFS, but it's a little later in my rehab, I think. Right, right. Yeah, I think we, we are a very young staff here in general, all of us, from the top down. And we're all very new, relatively speaking, to AFS. And... I think you, we, I personally see that a lot here where we are, you know, essentially upright 99% of the time trying to do functional tasks, you know, to get better at, to get better at the problems people are having. And I think we've all, we've probably gone a little bit too far over on that spectrum. And, and that's why I think if you look at some of the most successful clinics that I see, you know, comes to mind is like I move with Dave Van Andel and Marty Seitzman. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Marty's the FAA OMPT, you know, pretty 
pretty manual base, but we got some amazing skills. And then on the, the other owner is Dave, who's the you know a fellow of applied functional science. And you've got that kind of culture where both of those styles are accepted. And I think that to me seems like the sweet spot. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're you know kind of referring to right now, which is it's not just one thing is the best. You know, you have to look at all of the research and literature and the strategies and the principles and try to find your own way. Absolutely. And I, and I, and it, and it goes back to, and this is the thing that's, that's, um, that's fascinating is when someone's in chronic pain and, and we really are talking about chronic pain in the short run here is for, for, for the, uh, FNOR approach. Although I think it's applicable in other, other scenarios. Um, you're looking at situations where the pain has led to changes in the brain. And, and, and as a result, if we're not addressing that um, through our approach, then, then we may or may not get the kind of changes we'd like to see in that demographic of client. And um, whereas it may be very different with an acute sprain, right? That, that we know that, that there hasn't been the time to develop the, 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 the motor cortex chain is the proprioceptive input changes the, the other things that might be affected and so but but it's a continuum and i think we're all learning and uh and continue to uh get results right and and that's the neat part is and, and yet it's it, if you read the pain science boards you know sometimes you'd be led to believe if you didn't do any and yet on the other hand you know you read a, an approach and you think gosh i need to just only treat the glutes or something like that so i, I think it's always an interesting uh, to uh to sort of Try to find out what you find to work in your practice. Always recognize that you might be kidding yourself on your results, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and, an art um, and a science for sure. Absolutely. So anyway, sorry to, sort of a, to meander on that that comment, but I do I do find it interesting. And 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 like I said, I don't. I think the um, thing that I would uh, encourage people to to think about is really when they have these chronic pain patients who aren't responding, is you know they may have to change their approach to the rehab. Yeah, and I, I think the key to all this is that we've we're all we've acknowledged that we're never it's not like we've ever arrived. We've never come to this place where right okay right. we're we're done. You know we're we're done. We're graduated. We don't need to continue to pursue different routes, different knowledge. You know we're done, but I, I think that's the key with this is we acknowledge the fact that we need to keep learning, we need to keep address you know pursuing different thought processes and and things like that. So that's that's the cool thing about all this. Absolutely, and I think that's the neat neat place you guys are positioned, and you get to interview people on a on a regular basis and hear all sorts of neat ideas and uh, and sort of wrap your head around that in, in a way that not everyone gets the opportunity to do. So that's yeah. quite, quite quite fun. Definitely. So let's let's. I see that uh, there is um, an opportunity for people to find you regarding Spark Motion. There's kind of a free trial that we're going to make sure that everybody gets their hands on. Um, so we're going to put that in our show notes so people can get Spark Motion. Is there anything out there that uh, they can get a sample of the course? I mean, are, do you have any like any documents or videos that might give them a little taste? Yeah. So that you know, good. That's a good question. And and so. Um in answer to your question, we're on the verge of that. And I say that because that's why dates aren't up there. We just uh, finishing up uh, uh, some content that we're hoping to release that just is a little more explanatory to, to what FNOR is and, and does. And um, so I would say, and that's why dates for Denver aren't up yet. Uh, we wanted to sort of pair those two uh, um, to have some um, incentive to potentially uh, pre-book in an early bird. Uh, so 
I, I wish I had something tangible today. I don't uh, uh, yet. I, that should be coming soon. Like I said, we're in the just finished recording something and, and just maybe get it edited and it should be out. I think by the time this episode gets launched, it will definitely probably be out. Right. So, so the best yeah. way for them to find that, we'll make sure that in our show notes that we have that all linked in there and they can get awesome. that kind of taste, that little sample that of the great. class. And of course the website is uh, www.fnor. Dot net, right? And then Spark Motion, of course, is sparkmotion.com. Yep. And so we'll definitely make sure that we, we try to encourage everybody to, to grab that taste of the course and grab that free trial for Spark Motion and just kind of try out what – and uh, we're just super excited to have you. We're so you know so honored to have you on the show. You know, It's been an awesome conversation. I hope that everybody who's out there listening just feels inspired by you, know, by you and by how you're just not uh, going to the nine-to-five job and – and you've really uh, you have a passion for it, and you're you're out there now creating your own courses, and you're creating your own way to teach others. That's just amazing. Well, I think that's great. I, I appreciate that, and I and I want to say, um, and I I'm sincere about this. If anybody does uh, pick up Spark Motion and uh, and has some questions or comments, I'm always happy to to um, personally respond to those. Uh, you can shoot me an email, whatever. We do that quite regularly, with the exception that. Occasionally, people reach out to me during clinic hours, and they have a, an immediate question: of How do I do this? Because I got a patient in front of me, and that's probably a little too dramatic. So, don't don't quite get back to questions that that soon. But um, always available. Love to share, and uh, just passionate about it. So, I appreciate you guys letting me uh, have a have a, a platform to share some of that today. Yeah, we look forward to, to talking to you again in the future. And uh, I can say personally, I have reached out to you guys uh, a couple years ago, and it was awesome response. And I felt like I was definitely cared about as far as Spark Motion goes. And we appreciate we appreciate good customer service. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate hearing that. So, Nicholas, thank you so much for being on today. And, uh, you know, enjoy the class coming up. And, and, again, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Nick. Thank awesome. you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Great show. Awesome, awesome man. Cool. Cool.